Good day and welcome to another special episode of the Offside Musings podcast. It's my delight to welcome you on behalf of my co-host Emeko Nyagwa. In today's special episode, we're going to revisit an issue that we had discussed a couple of months ago. And that issue is a continuing strike by members of the as academic staff union of universities, the umbrella organization of Nigerian lecturers and professors. That strike started on February 14, a kind of bitter Valentine's Day's gift to students given to them both by their teachers as well as the Nigerian government. There are some recent developments, in fact, ongoing developments uh, around our strike, and we're going to unpack all of it today. You're very welcome. All right. So, as um, we were talking off uh, air before we started this, um, there are several developments uh, since we last uh, discussed this issue. One is that the strike obviously has not been resolved. Um, the differences between the government, the federal government, and the striking university lecturers have not been narrowed. Uh, they've narrowed, I, I think they've been narrowed somewhat, but not substantially uh, enough for the lecturers to call up their strike. Um, just yesterday, <clears throat> Uh, students, members of the National Association of Nigerian Students, uh, Southwest Branch, uh, issued a statement that they would start um, demonstrations on the Lagos-Shagamu Expressway in order to draw attention to this tragic um, development in Nigeria's educational sector. Um, we're also aware that the Nigerian government has taken ASU to court, uh, the Nigerian Industrial Court, uh, seeking to compel ASU uh, to resume teaching and to call up the strike. Uh, that case has just been adjourned um, by the court after initial hearings today, uh, Monday, um, September 12th. I, I hope to, today is September 12th, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So the court has just adjourned the, the case till Friday. So um, we're going to be unpacking all of that. For me, um, this is particularly an issue that is close to heart because I am an academic myself. And was fortunate uh, to go to school in Nigeria uh, when education was still taken, not altogether very seriously, but relatively more seriously than uh, we find today. And when I say that education is no longer taken that seriously in Nigeria, I mean not only by the government, but by the servants uh, in the educational sector, 
the teachers, um, the lecturers, and so on, and perhaps even by the wider society. I think that over time, Nigerians have made the point that um, to the extent that they are invested in education, that the best investment will be, if they can afford it, to send their children, their wards, to schools um, within Nigeria, private universities and schools, but indeed to foreign universities, including those in Africa. And so you see a steady decline in the funding of our universities, of our public schools uh, in Nigeria. So that's one uh, aspect of the problem. The other aspect of the problem is that a society that takes itself seriously would understand that there can be no progress at all when the educational sector has collapsed. The fact that a strike by university lecturers started February 14, and they started with what they called a warning strike, and then they extended the warning strike, and then they declared an indefinite strike. Um, for me, the whole idea of schools being shot for five, six months all over the country with students sitting at home uh, with their parents or with their caregivers. Basically idle. is a crime of indescribable proportions. I don't even know how to speak about this. But nobody takes a country seriously if the university system in that country can be shut down for more than half of a year and there are no hearings in the Senate, no hearings in the House, uh, there are no um, demonstrations by students, demonstrations by their parents, there is no, as it were, price to pay by the political authorities who have neglected, who have gone to sleep as this affront, this tragedy uh, has unfolded. So what does it say about our society? I think that what it says about Nigeria is that we have terribly compromised the present and the future is quite bleak. But I'm gonna stop and have you share your own initial uh, take on this on this travesty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we spoke about this in uh, uh, um, a couple of episodes ago, where you know it was funny that the warning strike was for months, and you know now months has you know been come to be the whole year. Um, and you know when we sit, when you sit far away, or when you're not like in the system. Um, it's it's very unusual to hear about that universities and learning institutions will close just like that. I mean, it's been a massive problem with COVID. Um, globally, a lot of governments have gotten toppled, and either in part or, you know, um, solely even because of 
the reaction to um, you know kids going to, to school. So um, our, our kids not kids, going to school. Sorry, kids not going to school. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to the wrong school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but mm-hmm. but uh, you know, if you have kids um, and you see the developmental or the the way they they might get they would get stunted almost certainly. The global world, um, yes, I was. I had a relative coming the other time um, to America, and um, you know he was talking about doing assignments, and yeah, he said he um, said something about yeah, everything is online. I'm like, global world, but everything is not online. <laughs> everything is not online. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm saying that to say we might people might. Some segments of people might want to trivialize it and be like, well, you know, mm-hmm. you don't need college anyway. Um, and another segment might also be like, and justly so, Nigerian education is, is corrupted from top down. But the, the reality is that that's not, um, you need college. It's, um, I mean, half education is bad anyway, but people need to be able to, uh, even if fully for their confidence, um, it's been an ongoing thing in Nigeria from, mm-hmm. um, I, did, I, w- I wasn't fortunate like you to have come into a system that was at least kind of working at least to some degree. I came in and, you know, it was like um, literally collapsed on itself at this point in time. So if you go back in history, how the schools used to be very, um, used to be the fabric of society to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, uh it does, I mean, it's not to the way you might want to believe it was. If not, Nigeria wouldn't be the way it is. But at least it held some sway. Um, the intellectuals, and you can see the quality of intellectuals that came out within that period. Um, even though a lot of them went to school overseas, um, the student unions um, used to be very active, used to be very feared, even by military administrators mm-hmm. who eventually set about decimating with the um, academic staff unions and even the non-academic staff unions and the students eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd see it from the 70s, and it was crystallized during the Bangida era. Uh, Bangida comes in and destroys all these institutions, and one of the key ones that... They went, I mean, it was really... The all-out the all gloves off was the Obasanjo era. Obasanjo, Ali Mosgo, it was gloves off. Um, it, had, it had always been like that anyway, to be fair and to be honest. Um, right from the 50s, right before Nigeria's independence, mm-hmm. the seeping of, of tribalism and, and, and mental, mental enslavement, or I'll use the word enslavement, you know, um, you'd see a lot of, oh, there were too many Igbos in this university or that university, where at that point in time you had um, uh, Kenneth Dickey, who is and still remains the... Um, going of you know nigerian history um he's the guy laid the blueprint the just and even the guys that have followed today um and within from nigeria are all all trees of kennedyke um whether it's um professor banja kintoye um a whole bunch of these guys um i believe one Patrick, who is pronounced uh, the name is one of the the people always like to question me on the in civilization in re kingdom you know, he's, he, you know, a whole bunch of Nigerian historians um, came in. You would see Kanadike eventually getting pushed out. You see a lot of people from um, University of Ibadan eventually getting pushed out in 65. Um, they had already left and run away to the east. 
Um, you'll see the same thing happening in the University of Lagos. I've forgotten the vice chancellor, the guy they appointed vice chancellor, and they ended up um, blocking the appointment based on tribal tribal or based on tribalism essentially. Now that now that thing, now that it was pretty clear. Um, and you see that continuation where education is just uh, distant. What what remained when I was coming in was just the brands. Oh, University of Lagos is a great place. UNN is a great place. My father went to UNN. Oh, you know, I got to go. So, you know, I, I moved around like four schools in Nigeria and I, I was extremely dissatisfied as a human being. Um, I know we have a different conversation here in America in terms of quality of education. Um, maybe being too, I use the term woke or to being... Um, um, off the hinges to some degree, um, um, or in um, um, intolerance, essentially as well. Uh, you can use all those words to describe a lot of it, but at least to a large degree, you're, you're still learning, you're still in school. Um, you have tools, you have access, you have, and trust me, um, like I said, everything is not online. You need to sometimes go into uh, have access to some of these institutions to to be able to, and some of these people to be able to rub minds with some people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's it's a system where already um, I was watching a video today, which was actually is actually accurate. When the colonial powers come in, they don't come in. They came in with religion. Facts. It's not. This is not. It's it's it's, it's well documented. You go in there, uh, but there's um, um, the British that you hear. I've heard some argument. I think I sent it to Jordan Peterson. is talking about the British abolished uh, slavery. I'm like, wow. Um, this is uh, <laughs> this is uh, like the philosophers will say, you know, somebody knows one thing, and you think they start calling to comment on everything. Um, the British did not abolish slavery; um, they didn't really abolish slavery, uh, and it wasn't their their participation in abolishing slavery as well wasn't really was out of was out of economic considerations. But that's a different story for a different day. Point is, they they come in there with religion and religion and and teaching people to be separated from uh, their previous consciousness, even when they return slaves, it's the same thing. It continues on and on. Um, in today's educational system already in Nigeria, you have um, little to no standards as a continuation, as people who haven't, it's not the British doing it anymore. It's now the people there who are now the neo-colonial powers. You know, they're the ones doing it. They're, they're, and it's going to the point where they could barely, they don't even care if students go to school. They've been doing it for, what, 25, 30 years. It's been since the early 90s. They closed school. There was, there's been periods where there have been like two-year strikes, national strikes, literally, people are at home. So it's, it's um, the sad development. I was just reading right now. Um, you know, an American online school has just graduated 400 students in Nigeria. <laughs> you, you know? Um, it's cool. Um, online schooling too can be useful, to be honest, um, but not all the time and not for every subject. So it's like a continuation of, we already have a, a poor um, edge. We have, we, have we have literacy rates in, high literacy rates in some places, right? And we have very low literacy rates in other places. Um, and we have a lot of, uh, my father would say, half-baked graduates as a term he would use. Um, we have a lot of them and we keep churning out a lot more, which would be the case with all these things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's sad that one, people are home too, where even if they were in school, we are not talking about conversation about this is not even how to improve what is there already. 
Mm-hmm. It's sad. It's absolutely yeah. loud. Now I was watching um, <coughs> what they call her. She was talking about this thing in that show, and then she's talking about how when she walked into, I've forgotten where she walked into, um, the equipment that they had there was more than in know, some small place. I can't remember what it was, but the equipment they had there was more than she had seen in her years in school in Nigeria, broadcast equipment. And it's like, you know, so, you know, mm-hmm. that's just to say that, you know, the world is, is trending um, towards um, um, uncertain directions educationally and, and see the Indians um, churning out a lot of um, world, comp- world competing minds. Nigerians do that as well, but most times it's in spite of what we've been through and yeah. as a system yeah. we went through. So. Yeah, I know that. Um, I mean, you've raised a few critical questions. Um, one is one that I'd like to follow up on is the fact that uh, in the two years of COVID lockdown, almost two years of COVID lockdown, um, it's now recognized globally that um, students suffered quite a bit uh, in the quality of instruction that they received in the cognitive development uh, that they were able to achieve um, in those two years. Uh, And this is not just opinion. Uh, There have been studies done, you know, which is, again, something that happens in a society that takes itself seriously, that, you know, uh, educational um, researchers, uh, in the United States, in Canada, uh, all over Europe, have actually started uh, to see how school children fared uh, during the COVID lockdown. And the result is catastrophic. Uh, a lot of kids have lost, you know, more than two years of academic development uh, as a result of COVID. And this is despite of the fact that that they had equipment, right? Exactly. That they, they you know, they were, they, 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 they were online, they had computers and so they on and so forth. And precisely. So, and that's the, the other point that I was get, going to make that if that the effect has been so deleterious, okay, and, and so staggeringly bad in Europe and America, you can then extrapolate from the fact, uh, from that, the um, exponential um, uh, worsening of the situation of Nigerian students. So already Nigerian students are coming off two plus years of receiving questionable, if any, education. And then this strike comes. So that's one thing to, to be, um, you know, to, to sort of wrap ourselves, our, our minds around. There's also the, the question, again, something that you just pointed out, that Nigerian, Nigeria's educational system has always the quality of instruction, the quality of education that it offers has always been uh, casting question, right? Um, you talked about your father speaking about half-baked graduates. 
um, this is not something new. Uh, even so, Nigerians continue to excel in so many different fields. And as you rightly pointed out, it is actually um, a credit to the sheer genius of Nigerians uh, that you see some succeed at levels that would be the envy of their counterparts in Europe, Asia, and North America. Uh, that they succeed out of sheer gusto and determination. The kind of, you know, because as they say, Nigeria, Nigeria, they carry last, you know. So it's almost as if the sector is rigged. Nigeria is rigged to produce mediocrities. But the Nigerians self-confidence, the Nigerians' uh, pride, ultimately, on occasion, would defy the odds and emerge as in, in, uh, just in very excellent ways. So there's a different conversation that needs to be had, which is how do we actually uh, radically transform Nigerian education so that it, it's delivering um, laudable educational um, goals and benefits. Talking about, I remember uh, years ago as a young journalist in Nigeria, I was at an airport and struck up a conversation with a young woman who told me she had just graduated from the University of Benin uh, in economics. And this was at a time when Buha, uh, Babangida had introduced uh, what was called the Structural Adjustment Program, SAP, which had then provoked national debates on television, in newspapers, in magazines, and so on. So I said to this young woman, uh, what do you think of Babangida's Structural Adjustment Program? And she said to me, they did not teach us that in class. In other words, this student was unaware that, well, it is not that she was unaware. Indeed, she was not taught properly because any graduate of economics, okay, uh, can look at the elements of structural adjustment and come up with some analytical take, right? Either in support of it or um, a, a critical take on it. And I remember um, something that at some point I'm going to uh, do a book about, just a terrible uh, encounters that I had with some students when I was teaching as a Fulbright uh, professor at the University of Lagos, 2001 to 2002. Um, so I asked a question. Um, how do you account for, account for Okonkwo's, what is behind Okonkwo's tragic downfall in the novel Things Fall Apart? This is a third year student of English answering, and I'll say what they said in a minute. But this is, in a lot of ways, the, the easiest question uh, that you could ask about that Achebe's novel. 
this student wrote for me, the Bible tells us to be good. Because if we're not good, we will fall. And so Okonkwo was not good, and he did not uh, listen to the Bible. So Okonkwo failed. So that is why it is good to listen to the Bible so that you will not fail as Okonkwo. This was the answer that a Nigerian student gave to a and, question. And this was, this was at the University of Lagos, This right? was at the University of Lagos, one of our best institutions yep. on paper. This was a student who was in her third year in at the university and that was their response to this uh to this question so there's a scandal going on that scandal uh has to do with quality um years ago i interviewed achebe um for the uh concord magazine and achebe uh, declared that the standards of education have fallen cala uh, calamitously in Nigeria. Uh, the following week, on the pages of the Concord newspaper, several professors and lecturers at, at the University of Nigeria took on Achebe. And in Achebe's rejoinder to them, Achebe basically said that there was nothing that underscored uh, the legitimacy of his initial stance than what he called the substandard quality of this, this lecturer's response to him. One lecturer's response was to say that uh, Achebe has only one degree. Uh, I don't consider him an, a, a, an academic in the true sense of the word. And Achebe, in response, said that this man mistook uh, certificates for education, which is indeed true. <laughs> Another one said, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm an economist. Uh, I don't read novels, and I, and, and I don't think I miss anything. And Achebe said to him that his statement was so ignorant and that as a, an economist, that not only did he miss much, in terms of general education and enlightenment, but that he would not even be a good economist if he did not read novels and so on. So, but that was what was happening. And this was more than 30 years ago, 35 years ago or more, when I was uh, a journalist in, in Nigeria. Um, so if anything, things have got worse by far. Because a lot of those who gave Nigerian universities, Nigerian polytechnics, Nigerian colleges of education, a semblance of legitimacy as centers of learning have been gutted of the talent that lent them that legitimacy. Uh, much of that talent fled and again, um, you spoke correctly during the Babangida regime. Babangida saw intellectual elements within the university and tertiary institutions in Nigeria as a threat to his agenda to perpetuate himself in office and to commit all manner of criminalities as president. So through intimidation, 
through the militarization of institutions by appointing sometimes uh, military people uh, as administrators of universities or people who were beholden to the military regime. Uh, Babangida made the tertiary, tertiary institutions in Nigeria particularly um, inhospitable to intellectual and academic uh, pursuits. So a lot of people basically, um, especially those who had impressive credentials, just left the shores of Nigeria to seek uh, teaching opportunities elsewhere. But so you have contextualized the debate um, beautifully. Um, but the, the, the thing now is, and there are other issues, right, which we're going to get to in a moment, issues of, say, uh, sexual predation by lecturers, you know, of, of financial gratification um, by lecturers in exchange for grades and so on uh, for, for students. But these are even, these are sort of longer-term concerns. But the question is that as we speak, since February 14, students in universities in Nigeria are sitting home, wasting away, okay? And the government has gone to sleep and the lecturers, um, I, I don't know, because I, I also think that there is, it's irresponsible on the part of lecturers, even if the government was deranged and Nigerian leader, political leaders are deranged. They are just, they are crazy people. But lecturers ought to know better. If you are dealing with people who do not care at all about the education of young men and women, I think that at some point lecturers would have said, okay, let us return and fight another day. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that would, that would have to go to the this, the actual disagreement, mm -hmm. right? Which, from what I understand and from what I've, um, all the, uh, and you guys have to permit me, because um, when it comes to Nigerian reporting, um, it's generally bad um, through a lot of the similar policies. We could chronicle it a little bit different, but it's generally bad people. It's hard to get um, quality reporting. So I take everything, people say a grain of salt. I take it with anything, anything less than a grain of salt. <laughs> <laughs> even, in fact, for the most part, I didn't even take it at all. Just, <laughs> so if you will go to the actual critics of the matter, what, what is the disagreement? And from everything we're being told, it's funding. There's no money. Um, there was that running on deficits the way um, the schools were so schools in Nigeria have been largely under the government for a long time. Mm -hmm. Largely. They didn't necessarily start off that way, by the way. Um, University of London had come into Nigeria, I believe might have been first, which is today University of Ibadan. Um, and then the like this thing also came in the UNN as well. Um, before uh, places like um, um, University of Lagos and then uh, Amadabella University, Zaria. Um, along the line, they were, they were establishing places. 
whole point is, yes, some of them were established by the government, but like University of London were initiatives. Um, today, you have a number of private institutions in Nigeria. But um, I know people might say, and I'm going to use this analogy. So real brief, in America, schools are rated. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, I'll be honest, yes, some of those ratings are all, to me, rubbish. Because you go into the richer districts, um, the richer school districts, it's it's a little bit complex, but you know um, people should bear with me. Those who don't necessarily understand how it works, so just bear with me. But schools are rated. That's the summary of the story. A lot of times, just really focus, focus, whatever, um, because all they care about is the rating. You fail students, this thing, or the um, the athletics department. Athletics is big in America, uh, bigger in some places than others. California, Texas, massive. Um, places like New York and, and Massachusetts, it's big, you know, falls behind, you know. But the school district has a direct correlation on property prices in America. So it's a little bit convoluted in that regard. This is the key. This is the key point I want to, the analogy I want to put between public and private schools, which I, I believe it should apply to Nigeria as well. If you have, if you're in a bad school district, and you're typically, in, even in school districts, you have like special schools, uh, depends on where you are. Some places it's called Montessori. Now I'm talking of what the equivalent of what we call high schools or secondary schools or distant, you know, sometimes it's called Montessori or academy, you know, this academic name always lives on Greek philosophy, but <laughs> people don't know that's Greek philosophy. But anyway, um, and sometimes it's, it's, um, it's um, called whatever, right? The key point is this, it's, it's not, it is rare, uh, as in the, the academy or whatever that is under the public school will be better than the public schools. But at the end of the day, that school is still competing against the public school. Same with the private schools. They are all still competing against the public school. Now, they'll be beating the public schools in bad school districts. But you, if you cast your mind, if you look at the most prominent public school, um, private schools, Philip Andover, Exeter, Exeter, I believe. Exeter. Um, I've forgotten the one in Connecticut. Um, St. Albans, where Okonjiwala's uh, kids went to as well. If you look at those schools, their competition is not just national and international. They do also have to somewhat compete, although they'll be way ahead and, you know, have all the, um, what are the Ivy Leagueisms of, of this thing against the schools. I say all this to say, even with the private schools in Nigeria, their competition, there's none. I mean, some of the people I've seen have come out, they've been able to interact, like um, the American International University that Tatiku established in Yola or the Benidium School. Um, but a lot of them come, I, I meet them and, um, you know, they're even worse than the public schools, to be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're worse than these public institutions, to be honest. So I say that to say, like, the options within Nigeria are few and far in between. That's why this week you see the publicization to other parents that, oh, if your kid cannot travel to America, cannot, there's an online school where we'll have a study center where you graduate with an online degree, which, again, it's fine if um, it might suit your purposes at that point in time. I do feel um, 18... 19, 17-year-olds in college um, 
should be able to start having the opportunity to navigate outside of their comfort zone. Um, I feel that way, especially for people who might have been homeschooled. But even if you were not homeschooled or you were mm-hmm. protected as a, a child, I feel like 17, 18, you should, you know, you shouldn't be all online. But that's just my own personal distance. At the end of the day, when we look at it, um, when we're, we're sitting down, we're looking at it, we don't, if it's funding, if it's the exact um, problem, which more or less they say is funding, it's all from the government. Um, the government is is saying they don't have money um, when they have money for other things they want to do, like steal money. Essentially, that's what they want to do. Um, and the universities are looking for funding to, I believe, just pay salaries, really. Pay, salar- pay salaries, pay staffs. Uh, I'm, again, most of the schools are under the state and the federal. So it's a very convoluted, um, the distance of the why, like what's the, what's the actual problem? You know, the actual problem is, oh, they are saying it's money, it's money. Um, largely it is, um, but, you know, getting into the, the details of it is, okay, schools are, I don't yeah. know if the Nigerian government can still be funding schools mm-hmm. that way, but yeah. Well, so for me, um, because I think that it goes without saying that institutions of learning should be properly funded. Um, that lecturers, teachers should receive a level of remuneration that makes it, that allows them, gives them, because when you're a teacher, your industry is a very contemplative one, right? Uh, if you're in the humanities, if you're in the sciences, there's a lot of research that is involved. In order to engage either in this research or in the life of contemplation, uh, in the consideration of great ethical, moral, issues within society. Uh, you need a level of a level of comfort, right? Uh, if if you're in order to undertake these these things, right? If if you are if as a lecturer anywhere in the world uh, your salary is so inadequate that ultimately you have to go and do, uh, ride, uh, do kabu-kabu, you know, so be a cab driver on the sly, as it were, in order to supplement uh, your income. Then it takes away uh, the time that you have to consider the issues, whether you're a professor of philosophy, a professor of literature, just the time that you need to devote uh, uh, to the the practice of contemplation, which um, makes you an effective teacher or a poor one. So clearly, uh, within it's it's also important to understand that in the end, in any society, uh, teachers don't are hardly ever. People don't make, uh, don't become 
so well to do from teaching, except that the rare teacher who becomes a star and, you know, becomes a speaker um, uh, in high demand and, you know, commands uh, high speaking fees or a teacher who writes books and the books become bestsellers and so on. Otherwise, teachers earn a modest but generally middle-class income. And from what I can tell, there was a time actually when Nigerian lecturers and professors were paid terribly. I think that there has been a significant improvement uh, in what they get paid. I would think that where the government and other uh, stakeholders who invest in education need to do a much greater work is in the funding of research. Okay. Um, again, when you look at Nigerian universities and colleges of technology and colleges of education, you can find that they are making so little impact in society um, because there are basic, very basic issues in society that they, these institutions have not addressed, right? So the fact that young men and women are able to go through university or through a polytechnic or through a college of, of education and they emerge on the other end as graduates and they are not any more uh, better suited to look at moral issues. So everything, uh, every issue that you place before them, they respond to it in a way that refers to either their religion or to their ethnicity, which is how most uneducated people do, right? So you have Igbo people who uh, believe that you cannot criticize an Igbo politician, okay? So if you are Igbo and you criticize an Igbo politician or just if there is somebody who criticizes an Igbo politician is then seen just not on, not because of the deficiency in your criticism, but just because this politician is Igbo. So you find Igbo people who come out and feel we must defend our man, right? Even though their man, so-called man, doesn't know who they are, doesn't care for them, and so on. And the same thing is true also of a lot of Yoruba people, a lot of Hausa, Efik, Fufulde, Ejo, and so on. There are people who just um, elevate ethnic affiliation, religious affiliation. You know, somebody who is a born-again Christian will say, okay, you are criticizing a politician. The politician is a born-again Christian or goes to my denomination, so I, I, have a I have a need to defend this politician. So there's already that, that our students don't come out and evince a, a broadness of mind, a mind that is mediated by principle and by rational considerations, okay? But one that is often just as tribalistic, as, as um, 
drawn by the impulse of ethnicity and of clannishness as as the most educated people. But so so the other the other thing is that you you look at you look at the fact that every Nigerian university has uh, engineering departments, okay? Um, has mechan mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, civil engineering, and so forth. And yet they make very little impact in society. So the same way that people uh, prepared Gary or that people um, harvested their crops like 200 years ago is how our people are still harvesting their crops and preparing uh, foods and so on. Because the universities have not studied how can we improve aspects of life uh, in Nigeria. So th th that, is an, that is an area that the government should mandate universities to show themselves relevant uh, within within society, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a few things you said for sure. Uh, I would wish somebody could figure out how to how to um, get me palm wine in America. That's a long wait, man. <laughs> I wish somebody could figure that out. Yeah. But yeah, I mean. It's um it's down to the quality of people that come out. I always make jokes about um a lot of professions in Nigeria. Um when they start talking, I just start laughing. <laughs> you know, but it's it's a general thing. It's all all of them. But you know, in Nigeria under the first um you talk to a typical person in Nigeria and even sometimes when they live overseas, um and they've lived there for a while still, you can take the man out of the out of the palace, but you can't take the palace out of the man. Mm. But uh, when they've lived there for a while, you talk to them, and in the first three, four minutes, they want to tell you all their qualifications. Actually, in the first two minutes, really. I have an yeah. MACC, MDYT. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and nobody's mm -hmm. ever going to tell you the substance of, um, yeah. um, of, of, of actually, you know, everybody's I'm a legal, I'm a lawyer. Uh, Subsection three, section four. Okay, I was just asking you if tea was good. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you know, you know, so it shows somebody who is already yeah already threatened, already feels yeah. you know yeah. has to. It's like oh, mm. it's not. Uh, no, so. it, you know, I I remember as a as as a as a kid in the early seventies, you know watching TV, um, some of the debates between lecturers, and some of them had, were really high quality, but occasionally you stumbled upon somebody who was on TV, and they would be asked a, a, a question regarding an issue that was um, uh, prevalent in society. And this person will say, well, you know, in sociology, uh, we have the theory of so-so-and-so. And, you know, and, and the thing is, once you begin to speak like that, if, if you are a sociologist or an anthropologist and you can't respond to questions in a general setting without referring to your theories, then, then your education is merely skin deep, you know. 
you have not acquired the tools uh, to. Every time I go to Nigeria, I just to laugh, man. Yeah, Everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like ninety-five percent of the people are like that. It's like, mm. oh, um, you know, they start telling you, or you list some of these guys, and I'm not calling names, but you know, go check it out. Mm. Somebody would go to manage to finish, say UNN. Let me mm-hmm. use that one. Mm-hmm. If money to fuck, you finish your name. All right, cool. Yeah. Congratulations. Then mm-hmm. in the course of your career, you've gone to do one day program here, three hour program here, online <laughs> certificate for one hour. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, so it, the quality is it, mm-hmm. when you when you were not um you go to we go to school and you don't have to it's not a must you go to school. And that's another thing I have to say, it's not a must you go to college to or even mm-hmm. secondary school to be mm-hmm. highly intellectual. I had that debate mm-hmm. with people I was on Clubhouse, had that debate with people that were like, yeah, Chilwan Chibi only has one degree. Shrink has a PhD. <laughs> No, one degree. Why does this even matter? Anybody? Why does it matter? Uh, <laughs> and, and I can point people to Mokugo Koye, okay, uh, one of the most enlightened and educated people ever produced uh, in Nigeria. This man had a secondary school education, but he educated himself to the point where he wrote books, he wrote literary works, poetry, fiction. He wrote books in philosophy. He wrote books in sociology, you know, that, that have been studied around the world. And it's rather commonplace, you know, in any field, really, of endeavor that some of the most... Um, Powerful contributors have not had, um, you know, masters or PhDs and so on. Um, but a lot of times, when, it, when, it, you even, it, when you even do those things, it, it, a lot of times yeah, it come out worse yeah. than the worst. <laughs> it's you know, it's it's not it's all a, the time, but it's a brand of um, it's a brand of ignorance, really. I mean, um, um, as you rightly said, I mean, look at. Wole Shonika, right? Wole Shonika has taught in some of the top uh, universities in the world, Ivy League universities, and he abandoned his master's program. He got his first degree um, uh, at Leeds, started his master's program. He gave it up. He moved on. Now his works are started by PhD people. Achebe had only one degree his works are studied by PhD people. Um, there are African writers who had no degree at all. Amos Tutuola did not even do secondary school. His works are studied by uh, PhD. P- people are writing dissertations on his work. So I this think- whole idea that some of our people have, that uh, to have a certificate, uh, implies that you've got an education. No, you have a certificate and you can be a certified fool. Um, um, yeah, it, it, it's important uh, that people, you know, there are 
highly certified, certificated people who are certified ignoramuses, you know, um, um, and then there are those with um, little or no certificates who are committed to the life of the mind, you know, um, because there is such a thing as the rational, um, uh, rational way, you know, looking at issues dispassionately, you know. Uh, and when you find somebody who has uh, high degrees and their first recourse is to invoke ethnicity, you know, I mean, one of the exercises I do with my, uh, with my, uh, you know, um, friends or, you know, people that I encounter when they make certain arguments, I said to them, okay, pause. If this person is an evil person, I say, okay, you've made a certain argument. Okay, pause and imagine yourself as a Yoruba person. Would you be making the same argument? And if you would not, then it's a wrong argument you just made. Okay, so if you are making an argument because you are Igbo or because you are Yoruba or because you're a Christian or because you're a Muslim, then you are not really uh, a rational human being. You are simply engaging in ethnic a, a propagandist <laughs> yeah, propagandist for your ethnicity or for your um or, or sometimes for race you know i mean it's, yeah. it's like there are in this country that you and i inhabit uh residing you know there are issues where people sort of uh take it out on you know there, there is of course lots and lots of evils committed by white people, right? But lots and lots of evils committed by black people. Yeah. And one of the things that I absolutely reject is to blame a white person because he or she is white, you know, yeah. or to give the impression that, uh, you know, a black person is, 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 has some virtue on account of their pigmentation. And I say, no, you know, if, um, it, it, it's silly. I mean, so, it's so also, it's also, that's also a subset of poor education too. And in some ways, absolutely. You, you yeah. chronicle the history here yeah. too. Yeah. People yeah. Poorly educated. And now they've, they've generationally are thinking that way. So it's very similar in Nigeria. Yeah. We, 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 see, we see the issue. I see the issue in universities here, right? Mm -hmm. Where I was just talking to um, a professor. Uh, just last week, you know, we happened to uh, to be having dinner and she related, and, and this is a professor of English, and she related an episode that happened uh, in her classroom during COVID times. She assigned a poem by a black poet, a contemporary young black poet who uses the N-word and, of course, uses the N-word as a word that a white person had hauled at a, as a, at a black person. So she is reading out the poem, okay, which she's going to teach. And this black student in class, you know, throws a fit, you know, as if the professor had called her the N-word. So the professor tried to explain this student, you know, uh, petitioned the university, and of course, the, you know, universities have become very sensitive to this things. 
So the, the, the professor was hauled in and accused of insensitivity and asked to speak with this student. And this student then insisted that the professor talk to uh, a school, a black school, uh, a black group on campus. She called them and left messages saying, you know, I'll need to talk to you. They didn't respond to her instead of which they wrote in their newspaper that she's a racist. And, you know, it's, it's, it's silly. So what the university ought to have done is to tell the black student who complained that you're wrong, okay? That um, the teacher is not to flippantly use the N-word, but in the context of studying a poem written by a, a black poet, okay? Uh, even if the poem were written by a white poet, we should study the poem. Um, but universities all over the world have begun to abdicate uh, their responsibility, you know, to engage, you know. Yeah. Um, at least at least if they have the opportunity to choose, at least they have the opportunity. If you mm -hmm. choose to go the wrong way. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like studying history where you yeah. go, one, okay, one of the favorites, Napoleon. Mm -hmm. He used the N-word in, not even, mm -hmm. not even, he was using the N-word, but not necessarily to, like, he didn't necessarily like black people, but mm -hmm. not as a race, not as racist as mm -hmm. um, other people where he used it in context or he mm -hmm. has to satisfy, satisfy it. It's, and yes, people will talk about um, how he, for instance, his black general, Dumas was, you know, so, but the point is if you want to study it and you really want to sit down and contextualize and mm -hmm. soak it in, you're going to have to encounter that. You don't have a choice. But at least these guys are in class, and if you mm -hmm. choose mm -hmm. your mm -hmm. um, probable, probable, most likely mm -hmm. poor um, background educationally prior to that point, mm -hmm. to keep on with that point instead of um, trying to understand, and if it's wrong, mm -hmm. you now make the argument in this thing that, you know, this is the person doesn't need to teach this, so you know, mm -hmm. something like that. I always say yeah. sometimes you need to know the rules to break the rules. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, actually, absolutely. I mean, again, it's like uh, talking about this issue for another second. Is like, um, there are all kinds of people, white, black scholars who study hip hop, right? Uh, if you play a lot of hip hop, there is a use of the N word. Yeah. So, if a white professor, uh, or even a black professor, uh, was then um, studying hip-hop with his or her students and plays the lyrics of, a, of an important rap artist who uses the N-word. Um, are we then going to say, especially for people who go to parties and dance to these same lyrics, then you storm up and you create a storm and you, you know... We're going report, to say the only yeah, people that can study yeah. or teach it should be black people. Yeah, you know, which is, which is <laughs> stupid. Which is stupid. Which should be resisted. That sort of thing. Yeah, I, anyway, anyway, I just call out. These are anyway, our first world problems. Anyway. So that's why. So, so, put it as so, we, we, our own yeah. problem is not at least. Yeah. yeah. These guys but, are choosing to stick to. They have. They but, have the opportunity. Yes. They are that's choosing. Right. But yeah. in our so-called quote-unquote third world, right? Mm -hmm. They are not. They are giving people. They didn't even have the opportunity. Mm -hmm. They're taking it away and giving people less and less opportunities. Yeah. And the argument there in these schools now is just. I believe it's back salaries. They haven't been paid for a long time. They're trying to get some of their money out, yeah. stuff like that. The lecturers, because essentially the schools have 
descended into oh, well, they were always like that. Mm -hmm. They're just selling their their handouts and books and bribes. Yeah. We didn't we haven't even gotten yeah. into the sexualization. Yeah. Yeah. And those things, you know. Um, there's a lot of, um, sex for grades. Mm -hmm. BBC did a documentary on sex for grades. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of just money, selling grades. Money for grades. Money for grades. Most people don't yeah. really in Nigeria, mm -hmm. I'd say mm -hmm. 70, 80 percent mm -hmm. never really go to any class. I hope it's not that high. Um, when I, when I taught at the, the University of Lagos, maybe I told my students that attendance was part of their grade. So most of them attended class, but, they still tried, you know, some of the And you were, you were in the minority. Yeah, some of the female students uh, tried to propose, uh, you know, the use of their bodies in exchange for grades. Uh, you know, even though I had warned them that I wasn't that kind of uh, teacher. And some of uh, some others, you know, proposed, let's give you money for grades. And I told them that, basically, I told them off. You know, um, but these are issues that are real. These are issues that in the resolution of the current crisis, the government uh, and the lecturers themselves should hash out ways to uh, remove uh, that inducement, okay, that students offer or that teachers demand. Uh, in exchange for grades, that they should have a zero tolerance policy that any teacher who um, demands or accepts sexual gratification, financial gratification in exchange for grades should lose his or her job, you know. Yeah. And, um, but it is, it is criminal on the part of the government that uh, it is shameless. So Buhari, this is actually, of course, the true legacy of Buhari, that Buhari has brought the country to cripple the country, essentially. And um, he and his enablers, he and his advisors and his ministers and so on, ought to be thoroughly ashamed of themselves, that under their watch, students are staying home for now, but has amounted to a, a full academic year, okay? Um, but everybody should be outraged in the country. Parents should be outraged. The, the students themselves should show, out, you know, outrage. Um, the legislators should be holding hearings, hauling uh, Buhari and uh, his ministers and so on before the legislative chambers to... Um, to come and answer to this travesty, it, it, it's unforgivable what has been done uh, to, to, to the present and the future of these young people and ultimately what has been done uh, to a country which is already in a bad place and is being wrecked even more. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Something I wish keep talking about, like I said. Yeah. Um, well, yes. You know, got to keep putting it out there. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot more to cover, but uh, well, there's a lot done. more. There's a lot <laughs> more. Uh, the time is uh, a little bit, um, yeah, of, of an enemy today. So, yeah. so if we need, you know, we're going to be following the the court case and see how that pans out, and we'll revisit uh, the uh, this this whole 
debacle. Yeah. Um, as, as, um, yeah, I agree. I agree. 100%. All right. So, um, again, on behalf of my partner, uh, Okendibe here, um, thanking you for joining us and, uh, uh, inviting you to join us, uh, shortly, uh, on another special episode of our podcast. Have a brilliant day. All right.